good morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. A bunch of smiling faces. Can everybody hear me okay? Just adjusted good? Very good. Thank you. This morning, uh, we're going to be in John 11. We're going to cover verses 28 through 44. So John uh, chapter 11, verses 28 through 44. If you remember, if you were here last week, uh, we this was the first half of uh, Jesus' encounter with Lazarus. We covered what led up uh, last week. We led up to Jesus. Uh, Lazarus is still in the tomb. But uh, this morning we pick up uh, and uh, we have this wonderful account of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. So let me read these verses for us. And then we'll pray together. Again, uh, we're in John 11. We're going to cover verses uh, 28 through 44. And when she had said these things, let me go back up. Let me just, let's, uh, let's read. I'll finish with 27. Uh, or I'll start with 27. She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. When the Jews said, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. (coughs) Now when he said these things, he cried with a loud, loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who died came out, came out, bound, hand and foot with grave cloths, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him. And let him go. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for uh, this time this morning, Father, as we get to this amazing miracle, Father, raising Lazarus from the dead. Father, as we have time to study this, uh, Father, as we open your word, Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would open our minds, Father, and give us eyes to see and ears to hear and minds to understand what you have to teach us by your word today. We ask that you bless our time together. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So in the passage before us uh, today, we see 
Mary telling Jesus, basically, you're too late. Jesus, you are too late. And to Mary and Martha, it seemed that Jesus was too late to do anything about the situation. Um, We also see that there were many gathered in Bethany who also thought it was too late. Uh, But as they were considering these things, uh, it is obvious that they were only really thinking in terms of healing. They were not thinking anything else. They were thinking it's too late. It's too late to heal him. He's dead. Nothing can be done. That was the despair that was among them. But as we will see, as we talked about last week, uh, we're going to see this week that Christ is never too late. Amen? (laughs) Christ is never too late. He's always on time. And we, we saw, as we, as we ended last week's, uh, and that's why I read uh, verse 27, we saw that Mary confessed Jesus was the Christ. He says, yes, yes, Lord, I believe that you, because Jesus asked him, do you believe this? And Jesus said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of, the God, Son of God who has come into the world. And so then we see on that confession, we see Jesus ask Martha to go get her sister. Here in verse uh, 28 and when she had heard these things uh, when excuse me when she had said these things she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister saying the teacher has come and is calling you some translations say the master does anybody have a translation that says the master has come does anybody have that in theirs where the master has anybody see that New King James says uh, the teacher Uh, some say the master the master has come and is calling for you what was Mary's response? Well, she didn't waste any time. She got up immediately. She left to go to the. To, to, she left the house to go see Jesus. We see that in verse twenty-nine, uh, who was waiting for her uh, somewhere in the place outside the village, just where uh, Martha had had met. They're outside the village. They're not in town yet. That's in verse thirty. And John tells us that many of the Jews who had come to comfort Mary and, La- uh, Mary and Martha after Lazarus' death said that when, when they saw Mary leaving, because they were in the house, they saw Mary leaving, they said this in verse 31. It says she's going to the tomb to weep there. That's what their assumption was. Because she didn't, she didn't really give any explanation. She just got up and left. And, and it says that Martha told her secretly. So the people in the house didn't really weren't 100% sure what was going on. They didn't hear, well, Jesus has called. Uh, this, is, this was something secret. So they assume that she's going to the tomb uh, to weep. And so they were there. Uh, some, most of them are probably, uh, we'll talk about it in a minute, but a lot of them were there to comfort her. So they desired to be with them, with her. So uh, they did what? They got up and they followed. They're following along. Now, here at this point, uh, Dr. Sproul said uh, about... The, put, your, put yourself for a moment in the house, okay? Or in the, the gathering with Mary and Martha, okay? They have... Uh, Lazarus is dead. Their brother is dead. There's uh, people there who are consoling her. Uh, they're visiting with her. And at this point, R.C. says, I believe there is something sacred, something holy about people coming together to bring human comfort to those who have lost loved ones. Then he added, but it's hard to do sometimes, isn't it? You ever um, been close to a situation 
uh, in a family situation or a loved one where, where someone has died tragically or, or maybe of natural causes, uh, something that was planned or whatever it might be. Uh, and it, sometimes you want to go, you want to go be with them, but you don't really know, what am I going to say? What do I say? And sometimes we don't even know. It's, it's kind of hard uh, to do that. If Sometimes we find ourselves uh, in a funeral home, uh, visiting, you know, at a visitation. We may feel nervous uh, because we, what, what are we tempted to do? We want to think of something profound to say to them. Right? You find yourself, have you ever found yourself doing that? You know, what, what profound thing? <laughs> you see, you've already read the lesson, haven't you? You're getting, you're getting ahead here. <laughs> You're getting ahead here, but you know I think we can all admit that we've we've thought about that probably. You know what? What can I say? What should I say here? Um, what what do we say? Doctor Sproul talked about um, his father, who the last couple of years, and we've talked about his father many times. But his father, the last few years of his life, was an invalid, and it um, there many of his closest friends. It, it became hard, harder and harder because he couldn't do anything for himself, and they didn't know. Should they go see him? Should they not? And then what do you say? And it was it was awkward and it was difficult. And I think we can understand that. Uh, I think I think we can. I had a friend whose husband died of COVID, and you know she had three children at home. And you know her her thing was um, people are afraid. You know my problem's going to jump on you, <laughs> and mm-hmm. you know like in that you don't want to necessarily hear how bad my day is. You know like you don't want that weight of that on you. And so, you know, like that trouble, um, she felt Christians ignored her because of that. Hmm. That's a difficult uh, place to be. Hmm. Well, like Miss Kathy said, the truth is, it really doesn't matter what you say, right? No, it does. It, well, well, I mean, it, 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 the, fact, the fact is, you don't have to say anything at all sometimes, right? That's the point, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah. You remember, uh, just you remember our own uh, Robert Ramsey. Robert Ramsey was known as what? Y'all know Robert. Uh, some of you know him. Hey, what did he do? He visited the sick. Right. Uh, in the hospital. If you were in the hospital and you were a member of this church, you were going to get a visit from or Robert Ramsey. Or somebody in Winsboro they knew. <laughs> and what would he do? He didn't say much. He, he, didn't say, well, he never said much. Um, <laughs> but, he, but he was there, wasn't he? What, and what is it? Sometimes... Okay, there you go. That without even using words, you knew that he cared and he was thinking about you, right? Because he's there, right? It's a forty-five minute drive to the hospital, right? That's not, and he'd do it every week. He he would do it. He would do it every week. He'd go see. Uh oh. Mm. But he kept going. But he kept going. It's you know just just. Those those acts that we're talking about, some examples here, um, that just just by going and being with and hugging or just just physical touch to the, to the bereaved person, putting your arm around them, 
those simple things. Not even sometimes just saying, I love you. I'm praying for you. Just simple little things, right? They can show love and they can show concern and they are important. I call it the ministry of presence. Have you ever heard anybody call it? That's the ministry of presence. Okay, it's just just being there. Okay, what it, it communicates that we care, right? That you care that I'm here and I'm here uh, to, just because I care for you. The ministry of presence. Well, uh, John tells us here in uh, verse 32, he says, Then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, and she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we talked about this last week. You remember Martha said something very similar, right? Basically, Jesus, you're too late. Um, And like Martha's comment, I think uh, this is not uh, Mary rebuking the Lord. I don't think this is a rebuke. She's not fussing at him. Okay, she's not rebuking him. Uh, there, there is a hint, though, that maybe, maybe Mary's anguish over her brother's loss was more intensified by Jesus not being there uh, when she really thought she needed him. I needed you here four days ago. You know, that, that's what I needed you here then. This, this would have, this would have uh, not happened if she, or if, if Jesus would have been there. Notice he says also she fell down at his feet, which is what. Uh, She's done. She's been at Jesus' feet before, hasn't she? Now we don't. We haven't. We haven't read that in John's gospel. But it happened before that. If I get my timeline right, if, if somebody, if I'm wrong, please correct me. But in the timeline, chrono, uh, chronologically, that's happened uh, before this. We hadn't read about it yet. But, so this is not the first time that she's been at Jesus' feet, right? So uh, again, Mary was saying, "Lord, you're, you're too late." And then, then what we see, we see some verses here that clearly and profoundly communicate the humanity of our Lord Jesus. Okay, these verses, these next few verses that we're going to uh, read. Verse, verse 33, it says, Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the Spirit and was troubled. Now let's talk about those that came with her weeping for a moment. Now generally, I believe there were people there who generally were there for, for their comfort. They wanted to be there. They loved Mary and Martha, and they were, they were there because they wanted to have that ministry of presence. Right? I truly believe that. Another thing to remember is that according to Jewish oral tradition, okay, when, uh, at, the, at the death, when they have, when they have a, uh, um, a, a family member die, the, the funeral custom indicated that even if you were a poor family, you must hire, okay, employ, pay, okay, two flute players, and you need to hire a professional wailing woman to mourn the dead. Okay, this was tradition. You had to employ people. So there's obviously going to be costs associated with funeral. Now you've got to hire uh, people who, who are going to play the flute, and then a prof- you heard what I said, right? A professional wailing woman. Who knew there was such a thing? But did they follow that tradition? Because you know, Christians have gone right. gotten away from that. I think it can be assumed that they, they probably did. Uh, here, I think again, there were both, though. You know, I think at this time, 
there were generally people would be there who, who cared for them. Um, but a professional whaling woman, how do you get that job? How do you interview for that? I don't know. That's, uh, some of you say, hey, I'm good at that. I could, I could hire myself out today. Right? We need to bring that tradition back. I can get me a job here. They do uh, that, actually, in Central America. I've been to a funeral yeah. where they... They do that. Yeah. They do that. But that's... I mean, I'm quite old now. Yeah. I was 15 then. I got you. <laughs> and I'm, like, wondering... It... Uh, well, that, that was... This is this is a tradition of the time. Uh, now... Because uh, because the family may have been uh, well to do, it it appears it was a rather large group. Okay, that was that was present. Well, what we do know is that uh, the expressions of mourning, what Jesus witnessed, we know one thing for sure. Okay, he was moved deeply, wasn't he? We know that for sure. He was moved deeply. Father Sproul said, "I'm I'm troubled by the translation of this." verse okay he uses a couple of words groaned in the spirit and was troubled and he says the force of the verb here translated trouble is actually much stronger okay the 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 the, the force of the verb translated much stronger he says a more accurate translation would have been that jesus was irate now that's a little stronger isn't it than being troubled I've been troubled before. Have you been troubled before? I've been troubled. I, I, I think there have been times I was troubled. I was not irate. I think uh, the, the, this is, is in what, what Sproul saying and others, uh, commentators would agree, that Jesus was uh, more, a, more better, a, be, a better, more better, almost said a more better. A better translation would be that Jesus was irate. In fact, he, Jesus he saw everyone around him weeping, and it says he groaned. Because he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. So he groaned in anger. He was irate. Now the Greek term uh, groaned always suggests anger, outrage, emotional indignation. That's the way that, that Greek term that's translated groan. That's what it, it, it always suggests that. So it begs the question, right? Why is Jesus angry? Why is he angry? Well, some commentators suggest that Jesus was angry at Mary and Martha. Because of why? Because of the lack of their faith. Some people suggest that. After all, uh, he had just told Martha that he was the what? The resurrection and the life. The the the, the grief, of course, is understandable. Uh, the group, however, was acting in despair. There was indicating a complete denial of the resurrection and the scripture that had promised it. Maybe he was thinking, what do I have to do to convince you people that I have power over life and death? I've told you. What do I have to do to convince you? R.C. Dr. Sproul said, I think Jesus was upset because he was in, and this is his words, in the presence of the ravaging destruction of the greatest enemy of mankind, namely death. That's Dr. Sproul's words. This was his enemy. Death was his enemy. This was, this was his foe. He is here 
to do what? He's about to, in just a few short days, he's going to face it himself, isn't he? He's going to face death himself. He's going to confront it head on. Is it, is it true that, there's a, that Mary and Martha don't, are not putting two and together? Yeah, I think that's true. I think they're really, they believe that had he had been here, they could have healed him. I'm not sure if they're putting two and two together. Well, Jesus can actually raise him from the dead. Um, so I think maybe there is a little bit of a, they don't really get it yet. Um, but I, I, I agree. I, I like what Dr. Spruill said about what he's, what's really making Jesus upset. He's facing it head on. This is with a family whom he loves, right? He loves these people. And, and now this, this whole thing, this, this what he is, he's here to undo, he's facing with it. On a, remember, as a man, as a human, emotions, experiencing emotions. He's, because because what, death is, you've heard, have you ever heard people say, well, death is just part of life? Have you heard anybody say that? Well, guess what? That's not true. What do I mean by that? Death is, was not a part of the original plan, was it? Death is an intruder into this world. Okay? It's true, yes, that we're all going to die. Okay, we, we know, aside from Jesus returning. But, but death is an intruder. Okay, it was not a part of the original plan, was it, when, when Adam and Eve were made. So, so death is an, an intruder. And, and with death, what, what, did, what, did, what did God tell Adam and Eve? You eat of the, tree, the, the, the fruit of the tree, you will surely die. It's this is what Jesus. That's why Jesus is here to undo what has been done. So this death, this physical death, the pain of death, the pain of losing a loved one, the pain that is invo- has been invoked on all of creation. Okay, sin, the effects of sin that Jesus is here to undo. Our, uh, Dr. Sproul commented, he says, you know, sometimes I go to the hospital and I see people suffering with cancer and I want to scream at the top of my lungs, I hate cancer. Mm-hmm. I think uh, some of us are familiar with that. We understand this, right? And we probably want to say the same thing. I hate cancer because the affliction and the pain is so great. Cancer was, it's not supposed to be here. I mean, in the original, again, the, the intruder is an intruder as a result of the fall. Isn't it? And Jesus knows that. He knows these things. And I think, and, and Dr. Sproul adds that, I think this is the kind of rejection that Jesus had when he encountered the sorrow and death that it brought. The, the beauty here about what Jesus is able to do, uh, he has entered into the afflictions of his people. He's so. He's there with them. He's understanding. He's experiencing the pain it's so deeply what? That he was moved within himself at just the travesty and the effects of sin and death. So we see this humanity, but it's a righteous. Okay, it's, it's what Jesus is looking at it from the mind of God. He's fully human. He's, full, he's fully God. And he knows, God knows, this is not where it's supposed to be. I don't like to see my people suffering. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Then Jesus said in verses 34 and 35, and he, and he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So Jesus asked to see the tomb of Lazarus, and then it says he wept. John tells us that he wept. 
Now even though verse 35, that's the verse Jesus wept. Even though it is, as we all know, right? Because we're experts in Bible trivia, right? The shortest verse in the Bible. Okay, even though it is the shortest verse in the Bible, it is one of the most significant, the most poignant. It, it doesn't tell us that Mary wept, right? We've already read that. It doesn't, doesn't tell us that, that uh, the Jews were weeping. We've already read that. John's already told us that. We're, we've already read that. John tells us that the incarnate Son of God, the eternal Word of God, wept. He shed tears. The Greek word used here has the connotation of silently bursting into tears. This was an emotional reaction. The humanity of Jesus on display. It's it's in contrast to the loud uh, weeping and wailing, the lament of the group. Maybe some of them were even hired to do so, right? It's very possible, right? So it stands in contrast. This is not a... Something, well, I think I have to do this so I can fit in or I can be a part. No, this is an emotional reaction from the incarnate Son of God. He wept. Something everybody saw. And they did see it. Very public as opposed to private or secret. They did see it. They did notice it. Well, why did he weep? We've already asked the question, why was Jesus angry? Because it, again, we're, so we said these voices, these, these voices, these verses are very significant when it comes to the humanity of Jesus. Right? He groaned in his spirit. He was troubled, as irate at what we can assume is, is death, this intruder in the world, uh, sin, the effects of sin. It says here that he, he, he now he, he, he wept. Does, did he not know what he was about to do? Of course he knows, right? That's why he waited a couple of days, you remember? He knows what he's about to do. The Word of God uh, teaches us in Romans, Paul writes over in Romans 12, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Jesus was on the verge of arguably his, his great, well, perhaps his greatest miracle. Okay, he 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 entered, and, and so as to be here in this situation, what does he do? What do we see him doing? He's entering into this situation, isn't he? he in a, re, a very real way, he is entering into it. He he's entering in. He's he's sharing in the feelings of grief and loss of not just somebody, just people he just met, people he loved. Okay, he's he's entering into that with them. Jason, I think the drama yeah. of this entire section is probably some of the peak of the book so far that we've read. Yeah. Um, because the big question has been, are you the Christ or not? Just show us plainly. And mm-hmm. here are two people that, three people, Lazarus included, who were great friends of Jesus, who uh, worshipped, who believed, mm-hmm. and he comes into their situation and this is what the remembrance of a life has devolved into. Professional flute players and people who were hired to, to weep. And are they weeping because he's dead? Are they, are they even weeping for the right things? Right. Yes, he's, he appears to be gone. 
but this is part of the curse that God promised to Adam, and surely that was shared from one generation to the next to the next. Are they weeping over spiritual separation? That this is just another reminder of our sin in the fall, that what happens when someone dies, their soul and their body is ripped apart. This is a visible result to them of the fall. And here is Jesus weeping with them. I think maybe in part as the Son of God, look at what creation has devolved into mm-hmm. yeah. because of the effects of the fall and of sin. And this is where my people are suffering. This is where they go when death happens. I can see people who are believing, who are struggling with faith and, and not seeing things in light of eternity because the enemy, the one who is in charge in this world system, has, has turned, their, turned their circumstances this way in a way. Mm-hmm. And this is what they see. I, I think maybe just weeping because... Of, of the lack of understanding of what's taking place. They think they know. If you'd been here, he would have been living as if Jesus is a walking genie in a bottle that he, poof, he comes out and death doesn't happen. And so he's getting ready to walk into the dark valley. And I think weeping because, yes, because he knows what he's going to do. He came to do it. But weeping because this separation that happened ages ago is still wreaking havoc in families in the kingdom mm-hmm. and I don't even know if my people weep for the right reasons mm-hmm. and I wonder too if some of these Jews who came from Jerusalem who, who made the trip are, are there and they're weeping and they, it looks the part but they are not believing like Mary and Martha they seem, Mary falls at his feet right. if he's not the son of God she should have stood up and he leaves her there to weep at the master's feet. Yeah. And I, I just think there is a lot of drama here in this, in this section. A lot about death, a lot about understanding what life really is and what death means as far as eternal separation from God for those who don't love Him. And if I, there's not really anything here that talks about them weeping over His spiritual state. And if they hoped in the resurrection, then there, there should have been some rejoicing too. So it's... It is very full, and it's in your face. It, it is. It is. Um, <clears throat> you know, as you, I, I completely agree with everything Pastor says, and it's a reminder. If, if you heard people say, you know, no, no one has seen God. We, we understand that, right? Nobody, we can't put our hands on Him. We can't, um, he, he doesn't have a body. We, we, he, he is spirit. But Jesus Christ, it, what, what did Jesus say? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know what Jesus said? This is, this is the heart of God. Okay, this is God Himself in the flesh, experiencing human emotions. We see the heart of God for, his, for, the, for the world. He's, he's got, building on what, what the pastor was saying. Look at, look at the effects of, of sin in this world. Look at what it's had on my people. It's the emotion. God doesn't cry. God's Spirit, right? Jesus did. Jesus is God. Do we see? It's just an amazing. It's, it's, it is. It, it, it is an, a lot of things happening in here. It's just. It's a lot to take in, isn't it? It's a lot to take in. The the tears. Jesus Jesus wept. 
his tears were most likely not generated out of a sense of mourning because he knows what he's about to do, right? He's not mourning over Lazarus. He knows I'm about to raise Lazarus from the dead, right? But, but out of grief for a fallen world and the effects, uh, this fallen world that has been entangled in sin, he knows they cause sorrow and death and he weeps. After all, what does what does Isaiah say in fifty three about the Savior? He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. We need to take lesson from our Savior here that it's it's okay to be acquainted with grief, to express sorrow because of what we see in the world. It's okay, isn't it? It's okay to do that. His, as uh, someone's already mentioned, his tears did not go unnoticed. Verse 36 and 37, Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Well, Jesus did love Lazarus. We know that. The answer to... um, the other question is obvious. Of course, Jesus could have prevented Lazarus' death. But as we've already built out, He didn't do that on purpose. Okay, He, he did not return as soon as He found out Lazarus was sick. He waited. He delayed on purpose. Why? So that the glory of God might be revealed. So that the glory of God might be revealed. And what also, remember, the other, the other sake for the sake of the disciples. Do you remember this? The disciples, why? So their faith, which is about to be tested, isn't it? I mean, just a few short days. Okay, this band of brothers, this close band of brothers. I'm here to show you that I have power over life. That your faith of the disciples would be strengthened. It is, it is good that they could understand, they understood Jesus can heal. They said that, right? Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept him from dying? Yeah, they understood that. But they needed to know how much more Jesus can really do. The very keys to life and death. Verse 38 and 39. Then Jesus again, groaning in himself, still this emotional reaction groaning in himself came to the tomb it was a cave and a stone lay against it and jesus said take away the stone martha the sister of him who was dead said to him lord by this time there is a stench for he has been dead for four days some translations say lord he stinketh i've said that about my kids many times karen they stinketh here, what is Mary concerned with? Mary's concerned with protocol, right? She's, she's, she's saying, Lord, if we open the tomb, if we roll away the stone, it's going to release a terrible odor. Now, the Jews did use spices to anoint the body. Their custom, though, was not to embalm the body, but to use the spices to counteract the odors of sadly decomposition. Again, something else 
that would probably have caused Jesus to weep. The decomposition of a human body. Your body was not made, it was made perfect in the garden to live forever. Our bodies are not made that way anymore, are they? They decompose. They are, they are, they, once the spirit is removed, it loses life. Well, what they would do is they would wrap the body in linen cloth and they would add the spices in layers. They didn't wrap bodies uh, tightly like Egyptian mummies, okay? It was rather loosely with the head was wrapped separately. And this is indicated by the fact that, that Lazarus was what? He was able to move out of the tomb before he was unwrapped. So it was not like a... He's not a, a mummy, right? He's not tied up tight like a mummy. Well, that was... This, this thing that Martha said, uh, she said what? She said, Lord, by this time there is a stench. She has been dead four days. Again, that reveals a little source of unbelief on her part. She really doesn't believe Jesus could do anything about this situation. He didn't heal her. He didn't, excuse me, he didn't heal him. It's over. You're too late. There's nothing you can do. How do we know that? What, what is the next verse? Verse 40. This is Jesus said this to Martha. Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Dr. Sproul said, how do you feel when someone tells you, I told you so? You ever been told that? I told you so. How does that make you feel? You don't like it. <laughs> you don't like it. How would you like it if Jesus said that to you? It'd probably be even worse, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? It'd be, it would be even worse. If, and the, uh, Dr. Sporadius says, is, is if God were to judge me for every trespass, we would probably hear from Christ say many, many times, I told you this would happen. Why didn't you believe in me? I told you this would happen. Or, I said this would happen. Why did you ignore me? It's, it's one thing, it's, it's easy to... Now listen to these words carefully. you probably heard them before. It's easy to believe in God, but believing God is the true test of the Christian life. Do you see the difference? I need to say that again. It's, it's easy to believe in God. The demons believe in God, right? It's easy to believe in God, but believing God is the test of the Christian life. It seems, it seems that Martha had forgotten that. And Jesus had to remind her, it seems. Verse 41 and 42 says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Jesus, this prayer here, that this is not really a petition. This is thanksgiving to the Father. That's what this is. This is not a, it's not a petition. This is, this is Jesus thanking the Father. Because the reason for this miracle, this sign that He was about to do, was to authenticate who He was. His claims to be the Messiah, the Son of God. In other words, Jesus... This is, I took this from Dr. Sproul's commentary. In other words, Jesus said this to His Father. This is Jesus speaking, right? Hypothetically, he says, we've already had this conversation and I know you've heard me. 
You know what I want. You know what I'm about to do. I know you have authorized me. And I have full assurance that you agree with what I have requested. I know that. But sometimes, Father, I have to pray. I have to pray out loud for the benefit of the people so they may know what's going on here. Again, this Jesus... This has all been planned out. Jesus knows what is about to happen. So He's not asking anything. It's already been granted to Him. He knows these things. He's praying what? For the benefit of those who can hear. That's why He's praying. Then John writes in verse 43, it says, Now when He had said these things, He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus did not whisper. He did not use his normal tone of voice. He cried out with a loud voice. He shouted. Everybody could hear him. This was this is a command given in the power by the Son of God. This it's uh, I, re- I heard someone say he didn't he didn't just say come forth because if he had to say Lazarus come forth. Because if he just said, come forth, then everybody would have come out of the tombs. Right? They would all come out. That's what I heard someone say about that. At all. Because it, it had to be specific. Okay, I just want Lazarus to come out. Okay, just Lazarus here. I'm just raising Lazarus. I'm not raising everybody from the dead. This, this, this preview of the power of God full on full display um, this is, this is like a preview for us. This is Jesus giving all of us a preview because this same power that called Lazarus from the dead will be on full display for everyone to see at the final resurrection when, what does He say, all of the dead in Christ will hear the voice of the Son of God and will live. That's a preview. Just with a shout. With a Shout, the dead in Christ will rise. Isn't that amazing? Does that not give you chills? It just gave me chills. I'm, just, I'm not exaggerating. It just gave me chills to think about that. We have the Son of God. The authority by his, his, in His words are life. The words that He speaks out of His mouth can cause life. And they will again. Just as we're doing this here, as he's raising Lazarus from the dead, we're going to, everyone will hear the Son of God at the final resurrection. So, this is a preview for us and for them. Verse 44 And he who died came out bound hand and foot with grave cloths, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Well, Jesus has literally just raised this man from the dead. The very words of Christ brought life where there was death. The moment that the voice of Christ called upon Lazarus to come forth, the exact moment his heart began to beat again. His spirit returned to his body. Everything in his body returned to life. If there was any decomposition in his flesh, it was immediately renewed. Everything. Blood flowing to every part of his body. Life instantaneously at the Word of God. Lazarus got up. He walked out of the tomb. The grave clothes still on his body. Lazarus was alive again. He'd been dead four days. He's alive again. 
Just like that with a word from Christ. Verse 44, the last part of verse 44. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. What? You know, I can't wait to meet Lazarus one day. I can't, ma- I can't wait to meet him. Um, because what the Bible tells us to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Lazarus has been dead four days, so we can assume what? He's been in heaven four days. And he comes back. We don't hear a whole lot about Lazarus after this, do we? We don't. There's no. There's no letter in the New Testament from Lazarus. We don't have his account of what happened, do we? We can only imagine. We can only imagine. Lazarus, friend of Jesus, twice did. Right, died twice. What would you say? What would you say if you saw something like this? What would you say? This, this may have been the greatest miracle of all during the incarnation of Jesus Christ. The, the climax of all of the other signs which He had performed to prove who He really was. It, that's, that's, that's where we are. It's the climax. It is, it is a, a, a climax, as, as the pastors already know. This is a high point. This is a, all these things, right, we can see have been building up. The healing miracles. Giving sight, healing the lame, turning the water into all these things Jesus has done. And now he raised the man from the dead. The raising of Lazarus, I'll finish quickly, the bell is rung. The raising of Lazarus is a glorious picture of what Jesus has done for us. The, we were once dead in our trespasses and sins. Not physically dead, right? Dead in our trespasses and sins, as Paul tells us in Ephesians. But the one who is the resurrection and the life, the one who has the power of life and death in His hand, the one who has called us from spiritual death into spiritual life. He's made us alive together with Him. And, and, and just, you know this because you're good Presbyterians. Lazarus could not raise himself, could he? Jesus had to do that. The same way you and I cannot save ourselves. Jesus has to do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we get to the end of this this section just we can just take this in we can we should stand in awe of such love and such power that has been displayed by Jesus we should fall on our knees and we should confess that Jesus is our savior he is worthy of all of our praise and all of our glory let me pray for us heavenly father we thank you for our time today Father, as we end this time, Father, we ask that You, Father, use Your Word. Father, there's power in Your words. Father, Your Word, as we have just read through Your Scripture, is, is promised never to go out and return void. It accomplishes exactly what You have for it to accomplish. And so, Father, we ask for that today. Father, we ask that Your Word will bring life. Father, as we leave our time of study, Father, as we go into our worship service, be with our pastor, Father, as he leads us. Father, we pray that he will be your mouthpiece to your congregation, to your people gathered. Again, Father, we pray that your word will be preached with power and authority. We pray that it will change hearts today. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.